Welcome to another episode of Speaking of Fantasy Football with your hosts Ian, Derek, and myself, Mike. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter at SOFF Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the tension between real-life football production and fantasy. We'll be doing our three-and-out live draft, as well as updating you on our own current leagues, the SFL with Devil, and injuries in our Pains and Gains segment. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode, and without further ado, speaking of fantasy football. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Alright, the main segment topic of the week this week, is this the real life or is this fantasy? So... What we're going to be talking about is the potential for, uh, you know, the worst teams in the NFL to have fantasy-relevant starters versus the best teams in the NFL sometimes having no fantasy-relevant starters or very few. And so we're just talking about just the, the reality of the NFL versus, you know, what's going on in fantasy, how it doesn't always exactly translate. So – if anybody wants to start us off, you know, maybe we'll talk about the uh, those 49ers and the Patriots. We got those two the two best teams in the league. What do you guys got to say about those guys? Yeah, um so I think that it's the Patriots kind of are funny because they're a great example of this, but they kind of are perennial examples of this because with the Patriots, you all you know, I mean for the last, you know, 50 years <laughs> they've been had, had positive records you know they've been a winning team or at least it feels that way um so they always have running back production you know they're always going to have at least a goal line back who's going to get touchdowns i mean you look at the legarrett blunt years and like that's just nuts mm-hmm. you know you don't you don't get that kind of production on the goal line from anybody um but the crazy thing about it is you can never predict it because they always have at least like three guys or just whenever you think that you've got you know, you've got it figured out and you know who it's going to be. They start, you know, Brandon Bolden gets the goal line carries instead of Sony Michelle. Right. I just think that, that, um, I think that it's, it's part of it is just that Belichick doesn't want people to be able to game plan for his team. So he always, you know, he recruits well and they, they, they scout well and they know who they want on their team and they get these guys that, you know, are useful and have good toolkits, but maybe aren't necessarily like, world beaters like i remember years ago um oh goodness i can't remember that guy's name but he was you know very philip dorsett it was they have they get these guys that are just you know just good enough to do exactly what they need them to and they use them i right. mean like look at antonio brown and josh gordon just this season both of those players were on the patriots this season and they're not anymore yeah yeah true there yeah, there's and, um go ahead as i mean i mean really if you look at it, i mean there's like you made a great point that they have a the team is made up of a bunch of really good players, but sometimes good is not good enough to make your starting lineup in fantasy. I mean, the only one that's really maybe hitting your starting lineup every week is probably Edelman out of the entire crew. I mean, you could make an argument for Brady, but if you're playing in a ten team league, are you really starting Brady every week? I mean, maybe this year you are now after all the QB injuries, but in theory, would you really be is really is he really a is he really a top ten? I mean, he's not what he used to be. He's he's game managing, doing enough for what needs to be done to fit the offense and the scheme for that week. So 
yeah, it's it's interesting. It's the team, you know, the Patriots are built that way to where they're, they've got good players, but no big, not again, not calling Brady not a superstar, but no superstar fantasy relevant people. Yeah, well, another one uh, I think we should mention is James White, who um, he's fantasy relevant in the sense that he is, I have him on a lot of rosters because I don't know, I, I'm not, for whatever reason, I'm kind of risk averse. I, I I don't have Christian McCaffrey in any of my leagues. I wish I did. But it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like I'm afraid of those bad weeks. You know, there are those huge weeks, but then there's those bad weeks. And he hasn't had all, any of those this year, really. But but that's beside the point. But James White, he has he gets you 13. He gets you between 11 and 15 fantasy points every week, period. And that's not world-beating like we it's relevant enough. Like he's, he's like, you know, in the RB 20, he's like an RB two, but it's just, I love to have a guy like that who I don't, he's, that's a real sit and forget to me. You know, there's, I, I want a guy who I who I know will put up at least 10 points every week and not have to worry about it. And James White is that in PPR, at least he's that guy, you know, cause, cause yeah. Brady, his, his entire career is based off of dink and dunk, you know, kill you with a thousand paper cuts. He'll check down all day long. You know, that's why he loves the slot guys. He loves his, his receiving running back so much because he doesn't care, you know, to not do the hero play. He doesn't have to throw it deep like some of these right. young guy, young gunslingers do. He doesn't care to beat you with a bunch of four-yard plays, and, and he does it, and that's how they win, you know. And so James White and Julian Edelman, I mean, that keeps – and Gronk, you know, kept him, him relevant for a really long time too. Right. Yeah, definitely valid. Definitely that. James White is probably the definition of a sit it and forget it player in fantasy. That's, that's really true. Um, and then you move to the flip side, and, you know, we get the 49ers, who are the last undefeated team in the NFL this year. And, I mean, in reality, on paper, they're a, they're a pretty damn good team. But mm-hmm. in fantasy, the only one I'm starting is, George Kittle, I mean, probably rolling out Sanders now that he's over there and, you know, maybe still a little hesitant depending on which version of Jimmy G is going to show up that week. But, you know, I mean, Kittle's kind of the only one that's, that's you know, you know, a sit it and forget it on the roster of that team. And more than just a sit it and forget it for a floor, but, you know, he's going to have just the big ceiling that comes with it. Mm-hmm. That's actually now that we now that I'm thinking more about the the Niners. Something I'm thinking is really interesting is that the Niners are really similar to the Patriots. Uh, I mean, they've got. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy G is you know he's the Brady's successor who he's meant to be. You know that was the the whole thing with him. Now he's there with the Forty ers So you got that comparison with him and Brady. True. And then Shanahan is huge into developing this this run game without necessity without the necessity for a a an elite you know workhorse back so they've got you know this revolving door of running backs too. never know who to start every week yeah you know matt Breida. you've got tevin coleman uh you had you know potentially freaking jarek mckinnon if he was ever healthy uh (laughs) raheem mostert and then you know one fantasy relevant receiver in emmanuel sanders now slot and then you've got you know had the the patriots still had gronk you know kittle is the new gronk you know um, and then they both; those are the two best defenses in the league. And so, really, I mean, it's a, it, when it comes down to it, they're really similar teams in a lot of ways. 
Wow. Yeah. Mind blown right there on that one. Never no. thought of it that way. Yeah, I did I didn't even think of it until like two two seconds ago when I was just like, Man, they they got a lot they got a lot of similarities. And if if they can keep it up, like keep those same sorts of traits going, you know, you know, pat, you know, spreading the ball around and not you know, not forcing, you know, one elite receiver or one workhorse back and just just doing what you need to do to score without stat padding, they I mean yeah. it, it's working for them, you know. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um, you know, it's that's kind of the 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 two types of winning teams that there are. Is there's the guys that just can beat you on offense, but you know don't have much defense, like the Chiefs of last year. Um, and then you know you've got your your well-rounded, not flashy, but they'll get it done teams like the Patriots and the Forty ers this year. So that's that's definitely some interesting, uh, some good observations. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what do you guys think? Let's move into kind of our next tier teams. Um, the, you know, seven and twos, uh, six and two type, you know, two lost teams. Uh, I mean, my general hot take on that is that's where you're going to find your huge upside players. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting because you would think in reality, a team that's dominating like the Patriots or the 49ers are going to be the ones that hold these huge play break, you know, huge game breaking ability type players. But that's not the case. As we just discussed, they're very, their teams are made up of very average to slightly above average players who are amazingly consistent week in, week out. And, uh, you know, but the next tier holds you. I mean, there are definitely some of those in the next tier, but you get a lot more startable players if, as Ian, you mentioned earlier about taking risk and being risk averse. You know, if you're one of those folks who like to take risk and go for those high ceiling players, you're going to find a lot more of those in the next tier down teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mike even touched on that a second ago. Just like like you said with the Chiefs, is that you know there's a lot of fantasy relevance because those offenses are so high powered, which is you know becoming the trend. Which offenses in the NFL are you know, as opposed to 20 years ago when it was just so, you know, smash mouth running back, you know, you know, type of football. Now it's just a bunch of just air raid nonsense. Like you have a gunslinging quarterback, you know, you've got Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees. Um, I mean, there's some crazy good arm talent out there and their receivers are benefiting a lot. And so that's just with a bunch of targets and big playability and just getting into the red zone in general. It, I mean, they're a, they're great to have in fantasy, and they're good enough. But like Mike said, sometimes the defense isn't good enough, and that's what keeps them in that second tier. Um, the Saints might be one of the only exceptions because they're just they're solid on offense. They've got a good offensive line, and they got a good defense. So I'm not really exactly sure what's holding them back. I mean, maybe Mike can speak on that because he's a Saints fan. But <laughs> you know, they've got sure. they've got fantasy relevance on all sides outside of maybe tied in, but you know, I'm just kind of curious why they're not quite in that top tier. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, just, just kind of gathering my thoughts as we're talking about this, it's kind of forming that like a lot of those teams that are scoring a lot that have bad defenses, well, they're having to play from behind, you know, they're having to keep up. And, and so that, that uh, lends to having, you know, bigger plays and more, more success for fantasy 
but then also you think, you know, the teams that are getting, and this kind of leads into the, the other half of what we're talking about tonight. Um, but you get these teams that are the bottom of the barrel teams and they're the bottom of the barrel for a couple of years. And so then they get these stud, you know, guys that are coming out of college that have this production um, already, you know, slated for them basically. And those guys are great for fantasy because they put up big numbers, but they don't always either have long careers because maybe they get worked too hard or maybe they, you know, they get, they get schemed out whenever teams start figuring out what they can do. Um, and they're not as consistent. Whereas, you know, you get, you get teams that are just well coached and they don't, they don't have winning records, but they get the guys that they need. And I don't know. That just seems to be, um, there seems to be something there. And then I think with the saints for the last, you know, uh, last couple of years, our, our defense has been getting better, but we were not always a great defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, that's a big part of it too, is that, you know, like we didn't have, uh, we did have to, we had to be in shootouts to, to keep up, to win games. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's an interesting uh, line of thought. And I, I don't know that we can necessarily prove any of it, but uh, it, it seems to, seems to ring pretty true. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that you got me kind of thinking about, you mentioned, you know, playing from behind type of, you know, creating a lot of passing game because you have to, you know, you don't want to run if you're playing from behind, obviously. Um, and you got me kind of thinking about the inverse of that where a lot of fantasy-relevant running backs, uh, not all of them necessarily, but, you know, there, there's a couple different reasons why a guy could be fantasy-relevant as a running back is that if he's on a – solid team like a winning team a lot of those guys get more run you know more garbage time runs because they're ahead you know right and that's that I think is one of the main things I kind of wanted to talk about in general when it comes to reality versus fantasy is that you know a lot of people in fantasy see running backs as these incredibly valuable players in some ways like Christian McCaffrey being touted as an MVP candidate right now and he's playing really great I'm not trying to take anything away from how super good Christian McCaffrey is but just running back value I feel like a lot of running back value like some people they shoot it into the sky because of because of fantasy football I think that that's one of the biggest problems is is people look at stats they'll see this finished stat, this one finished stat that Christian McCaffrey had this number of touchdowns this number of you know, yards or any, any running back really. And they'll say, well, why wouldn't he, you know, why isn't he the most valuable player? And it's like, you know, Todd Gurley, for instance, you know, last year he was, he had like the highest percentage of, of, um, uh, five yards, um, uh, rushes within the five yard line. And, you know, so that's why he got a bunch of touchdowns. It's not like this guy had, um, you know, he was just getting touchdowns from 20 and 30 yards out all the time. I'm not saying he wasn't, but also they were the Rams were so super good last year. Gurley got a lot of touches late in the game to run the clock out. And so yeah. people just see that and think, oh, well, Gurley must have been really, really good. And it's not like he wasn't good, but it's also the offense he was on. It's the team he was on that was always ahead that gave him a lot of excess. It's not the other way around. People see these stats and see that these running backs had high stats and assume, oh, he must have contributed a lot when most of the time it's the other way around. When a running back's got a lot, unless you're on the Seahawks, it's because, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, be, it's because you're, they were already ahead and you just had to run the clock out. Right. 
and even with the Seahawks, you know, like whenever they they were, you know, talking it up the last couple of years about how they wanted to be a run first team and, and nobody believed them. Everybody just laughed because it's like you can't do that. This isn't, you know, this isn't the 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 olden days of football anymore. But you know, they they're the exception, not the rule. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think with that one with the Seahawks, it's I, I wish that they would just see that they have the most efficient wide quarterback wide receiver duo in the entire league you know <laughs> i mean russell wilson to dk metcalf oh, here it goes <laughs> oh i'm just kidding no tyler lockett <laughs> i mean no i mean seriously russell wilson and tyler lockett like they it's undisputed they are the best the most efficient duo in the league they have this insane chemistry and like their passer rating when when targeting lockett is by and large like the the best and they're just like well no we'd, we'd rather run it and it's like it's it's, <laughs> it's russell wilson like you don't have you know you don't have brandon allen as your quarterback i mean he's <laughs> i mean he's winning games but um but still i mean it's russell wilson like throw throw the ball i just yeah you know true all right and the last part of it. So what do you boys think about our bottom of the barrel teams our our once one no one teams and our two for teams? I mean, looking at the list of players, you know, it's they've actually surprisingly you would think who in your right mind would you be playing from the Dolphins? But <laughs> I mean, if you look at take Parker, for example, I mean, he's been he's 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 right there. He's. Again, the past at least the past five weeks, the definition of almost a sit it and forget it, at least maybe at a flex position. I mean, he's he's producing surprisingly. So I mean, you can definitely find some uh, some fantasy gold on the bottom of the barrel teams. I mean, you got the Falcons, you know, in the bottom. There's easily two or three startable people every week. I mean, Hooper, one of the best tight ends in the league right now, and mm-hmm. not to mention Julio Jones. I mean, you're obviously starting those two every single week. So, I mean, there's definitely huge peop- huge starters down that bottom end, but for whatever reason, it's just not relating to real-world production for their teams this year. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the, the Falcons are kind of in a similar position to where we've been. I mean, the Falcons – if you think about the Falcons, like everybody kind of has this idea that they are a very like a, a good offense. And, and I think that's, that's kind of similar that, that um, I was going to say the SEC, the NFC South <laughs> is, has got to been that recently, you know, like there's been a lot of really high powered offenses, a lot of, um, you know, touted quarterbacks. And, uh, and I think that they, they, they kind of fit that mold. And the funny thing is, is that with the Falcons, like their defense, has the pieces to be great. And like, that's what keeps happening every year. People, you know, are, are talking about that, but they, they either get injured or they just, I don't know if it, maybe they're just not well coached or whatever it is, but it's just kind of crazy that um, they are the team that they are because they seem to have a lot of potential. Um, and then just in general, I think as a rule, you know, these are all professional teams, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're all going to be – these are the best of the best players playing football anywhere. Um, so to to some degree, they're going to have success because, you know, 
they're they're just the best like these are the these are they get paid to do this for a reason um but i don't know i think that it goes back to some of those trends we talked about earlier you know there's garbage time um and then there's going to be it doesn't take a whole lot to to break a play so whenever these you know losing teams get high draft picks and and take the highly you know sought after talents then you're going to get somebody who's going to break off some plays every now and then. And, and a lot of times they're the only, they're the only person on that team that can make a play. So they get that opportunity. Right. I think that's, that's a, especially in, like you said, the NFC South, you know, um, you know, the saints, they're in the top, you know, which I feel like they're almost an exception because um, like, I, I was going to say something about how, like, you know, the Buccaneers, you know, they throw the ball a bunch. James Winston's throwing that ball a ton. And so Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are seeing a ton of production because of that. Um, but their defense is terrible. So, I mean, that's, I mean, probably the reason, the main reason they're losing. And Jameis just has a really big problem turning the ball over. But, um, like, I want to say that, you know, if one of the main reasons that a team could be losing with an offense that, you know, just targets like one or two guys like that, just like heavily just – peppers a guy with targets it makes it just so that if that's all you're focusing on and and you can't really produce anything beyond that maybe that's you know maybe that's why those offenses are producing while the I mean the certain players are getting production themselves but their offenses as a whole isn't but then again I like said the Saints I mean Michael Thomas my god I mean he sees it doesn't matter who the quarterback is he is getting so many (laughs) targets every week I mean he is there's there's not even close to a second fancy relevant receiver on that team because they don't see targets at all. But Michael Thomas is just seeing so many and Alvin Kamara. So those two somehow keep that team afloat while these other teams on the bottom can't keep those offenses afloat. Um, You know, there's that team, the the Falcons. And um, I mean, I I don't know. I think, I, I think a lot of it is defenses and, Again, it's sort of maybe the reverse for the fucking or the sorry, uh, the the Browns, uh, the Browns because you know it's got a lot of emotion there. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, but with the Browns, it's it's the it's the opposite because their defense is pretty good. I mean, obviously there have been problems, you know, in Alaska. They got really solid players on defense, but their offense just sucks. And it's funny, you know, going into the season, they were like, oh, man, they've got like six fantasy relevant players. They should be a high powered offense. They should, you know, there was some question about, you know, oh, are we going to have a problem, you know, with spreading the ball around? Can everyone get it? Nobody's getting it. (laughs) Right. It's crazy. I I was watching the Giants and the Giants have a, a more put together, a better put together offense than the Browns. And I just. You know, I don't want to spend all night talking about the Browns. It's just kind of a funny thing where the Browns have the talent, you know, at, at each of the main skill positions and quarterback that you could on paper assume that they would be fantasy relevant or at least or maybe be one of those top teams who spreads the ball around so much and not be fantasy relevant, but they're neither. And that's yeah. it's frustrating for me as a Browns fan, but also, you know, everyone went into the season drafting Odell Beckham, David Njoku, um, yeah, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb's the only one producing. Yeah, you got a, definitely a lot of players probably just sitting 
on your back end of your lineup on your bench that you just aren't using that you burned a high draft pick on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely an interesting discussion tonight, guys. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty good comments and some takes on that. Uh, we'll see what uh, see what leads us into into next week. Yeah. Well, actually, can I make one more comment before we move on? Absolutely. Um, it's I was our gonna, show. You can do what you want. You know, you're right, Derek. It is our show. <laughs> and and you know what? You're listening. You're going to keep listening. So, uh, so the only thing I was going to say too, one of the the reason that actually brought me to this. Uh, whole reality versus fantasy thing was it actually had more to do with uh, stats, not so much the relevance, but um, you know, it evolved into that. But one thing that really kills me um, is a lot of people, I don't think watch the games so much as they just see their, their stats at the end of the week. You know, I like I mentioned with running backs Um, and the thing, one of the things that kills me a lot is they see averages like, you know, average uh, yard yards per catch, or um, they'll see interceptions, and and I tweeted this from our, our from our account a couple weeks ago when I was watching the Giants Patriots game. Is people will see something like you know a guy threw three interceptions, and they'll see that as their fantasy quarterback, but they won't they won't look at it as oh maybe it was you know miscommunication, maybe it was a drop that result or a batted pass. They just see three interceptions, oh, that must mean the quarterback threw it directly to a defender three times, bad quarterback, you know, <laughs> and that happens a lot. And uh, and I'm only going to specifically talk about Baker Mayfield only because I watch every Browns game, so I can, speak, <laughs> I can speak on that a little more, but it's like, you know, and he's not fantasy relevant, so I'm not even going to try to defend him on that. He's not playing well, but just the fact that I, I've seen people say like, uh, oh, he threw three interceptions. He, all he does is throw the ball to the guy on the other team. And like the game that they said that, that the after that I heard them say that, it was two drops. You know, Odell and Antonio Callaway caught the ball, bounced out of their hands into a defender's hands. And so it's just one of those types of things in fantasy where when you're trying to set your lineup for the next week and you see, well, this guy had three interceptions, there's you got to factor in why things are happening before you can say this is the reason I'm starting or not starting a guy, you know, the defense, sure. they're, the defense they're playing against. Are those, are the interceptions really on the quarterback? Because the interceptions are strictly a quarterback stat. they never say it's a receiver's fault. It's never anything. It's you, you got to see, I think why fantasy stats happen to be able to factor in who you're going to start the next week. Cause you can't just, it can't just be just, just stats. Right. Yeah. Very good point. And a good, good ending comment to our, to our segment. Very good. Yeah. All right. Week nine, three and out recap. So results were pretty similar to last week where, uh, I, I won. Uh, I had 88.8 points, and uh, Derek and Mike were super close to one another. They were both in the 60s. Um, So it was a good week. feels good. Um, And honestly, it was an interesting one uh, because uh, everyone had pretty decent players for the most part. Like most of us had, you know, players in the double digits, and then we all had, like, one guy who scored, like, seven points. I had DJ Chark score seven 
Uh, Mike had Terry McLaurin score seven. Derek had uh, Darren Waller score seven. So it's kind of a weird little coincidence there. Um, but yeah, so I came out on top. That's pretty cool. Um, and the only other thing I guess I'd like to say about this week is that I was really stoked that Zach Ertz came through for me because he was the one that I, in the last round, was hesitant about. Because, like, oh, you know, Dallas Goddard, you never really know. And I'm really stoked he ended up being the highest scorer on my team. So that was a pretty cool thing to happen. And uh, now I guess we'll move on to this week's three and out. All right, so on this week's three and out, we are doing, we've picked one player from the top eight teams that's, uh, you know, just based on record. And obviously that's excluding the teams on bias. So, you know, no Patriots, stuff like that. And then we've also picked eight players. So one of each from the bottom eight teams. And I tried to, when I created this player pool, the guys from the, the eight top, the top eight teams, I tried to do maybe the least relevant, you know, still fancy relevant, but least, you know, um, uh, compared to the others on the team. And then on the, the bottom teams, I tried to do the more fancy relevant players, you know, just sort of, just sort of fit with our topic. So, uh, we're going to hop into it, and first on the clock is Derek. All right, so look at the list. I think I'm going to uh, lock down my running back first, and I'm just going to go up, and uh, because we don't know 100% if Kamara is coming back this week, I'm going to have to pass on him, and I'm going to hit up the next best guy on the list, and I'm going to go grab me some Chris Carson. All right. Yeah, no, not bad, not bad. I respect that logic. Um, yeah, Carson seems like he'd be, you know, my my best choice here, but they are playing the 49ers. They've been pretty stout. I'm sure Carson will get a ton of work either way. <laughs> Whoops. Um, the 49ers are uh, a tough matchup for sure, but he'll probably still get enough work. Um, that being said – I don't necessarily hate Chubb. Um, Bell's a good option, but he just, you know, with the potential injury, I don't know if I want to risk it on that one. So what I think I am going to do is I'm going to go with the tried and true method that we've had a couple of times here, and I'm going to grab me some Travis Kelsey. Oh, my guys. <laughs> you, you jerk. It just happens that way, Ian. <laughs> yeah, I know. We we know we know you're a good drafter. My God. <laughs> All right. So I was really, really hoping when when Derek was doing his whole speech about uh the next best running back, I legit I was not expecting him to say Chris Carson there. Um so I'm really excited to take Nick Chubb here, honestly. Um so yeah, give me Nick Chubb all day and then I'm going to go tight end because I don't want to be stuck. God, these other three we have, we've got Jimmy Graham, Mark Andrews, and Evan Ingram. And Evan Ingram might not play. All right, I'm going to go I'm going to go Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean, definitely not a bad choice. Just, uh, you know, can't always get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. All right, so I am going to – I'm not really worried about quarterback. I like all the options pretty well. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and stick to the uh, top here, and I'm going to grab good old Julio Jones. 
Uh, Leo touchdown Jones. I mean, I knew I shouldn't have expected him to fall all the way back to me, but come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see here. Um, I'm kind of with you, Mike. I feel comfortable with any of the QBs. I feel comfortable with the remaining tight ends because I highly doubt you guys are going to take another tight end to fill your flex spot. (laughs) Uh, um, So I'm going to go attack wide receiver and um it's a drop after julio i'm gonna go well i'm gonna take the risk and i'm gonna go and grab parker because you guys just heard us talking about the streak that he's on so let's hope he uh continues that my luck is he probably won't (laughs) um the way my drafts have been going the past few weeks with you guys and (laughs) let's take some risk i think let me check a matchup real quick if any of you guys know who the Bengals play this week anybody know off the top of their head no baltimore. Bengals. baltimore yep that's not gonna yep work. uh <laughs> not doing that one so backup plan is man my team's gonna suck all right so i was going to take a risk on Boyd, but they're, uh, you know, having Finley under center now, but they're playing the Ravens. Don't really want to touch that matchup. So I think I'm going to grab Allen Robinson to fill my flex spot. I know he had a horrible week last week, but he's been pretty darn consistent this year. So I'm going to take some risks there and grab him. So back over to you, Mike. Makes it a little bit tighter for me, I'm going to go ahead and take um, my running back now and I'm going to go with the upside uh, and grab Kamara. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Let's hope he plays for you this week. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Um, For me, so... I'm glad we didn't this hit this conundrum just now. You know, we only have four from each position, so it's kind of tougher with the flex, um, being that if he had picked Tyler Boyd, I couldn't have had a wide receiver at all, which I guess, I mean, honestly, we could have could have allowed that. I mean, that would have been an interesting thing to, to pull. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but let's see. Oh, yeah, I just noticed that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to give you guys that idea, so I'm just going to go ahead and take Boyd now. Because, um, I mean, I don't know that you guys would actually force me to not have a player, but I'm not going to not gonna risk it. But now I'm going to take – because, I mean, I'm not worried about the quarterbacks at all. I'm going to take my flex, which is going to be Le'Veon Bell. So hopefully he plays. I mean, that whole MRI thing was, I guess, scary. But, I mean, it sounds like he's playing this week, so. And I have no other options besides unless I want to take Jimmy Graham, and I don't. (laughs) Good pick with Bell there. Kind of uh, kept me from having to make the decision to take two potentially injured running backs. Uh, Leaves me in a bit of a spot. There's not a whole lot of options left here. So I think that I will grab – I have to grab basically a tight end. Um. Man, I don't want to take the risk because I'm pretty sure Ingram's going to be out. So I guess I'm just going to go ahead and grab Jimmy Graham and see what he can do. Crap. Didn't see that scenario playing out like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Man. All right, so now it's my turn. And uh, Mike taking Jimmy Graham really screwed me up. Because <laughs> I would take Jimmy Graham as my tight end. Didn't think I'd have to worry about that. But, um, yeah, so as I was getting ready to just take the risk on Evan Ingram, I noticed he had an O next to his name. And uh, late breaking news, he's already been ruled out for Week 10. So I'm going to replace Ingram on our draft pool with his next replacement, Rhett Ellison. And Exciting stuff. <laughs> and that one. Um, so that means I'm going to take us home in the fifth round, and I'm going to get the pick of QBs, which I was hoping – you guys would just leave me with the QB because I was fine with any of them because I don't want to pick the wrong one. And I'm just going to go with <laughs> my starting QB in a lot of leagues that I have because I'm a QB late kind of guy. And I'm going to just uh, grab uh, Josh Allen and plug him in and see what happens. Mm. I like it. I like it. Interesting. They've got a, a decent schedule coming up, so I've, I've uh, got him in a couple of leagues too. So we are all at quarterback at this point. So I am going to get my pick of the remaining, which would be Cousins, Jimmy G, and Jameis Winston. And this is an easy trigger pull for me. I'm going to grab Kirk Cousins because he has just been on fire lately. And even though he's losing, he's lost to Thielen, he's still looking decent. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do it. Kirk Cousins it is. Oh. I'm so happy this fell the way it did. I was – Jameis Winston was my easy top pick for this week. So, I am that, – that's me. I got Jameis Winston. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy about it. He, there you that, go. That boy passes the ball a lot, and he gets some fancy points out of it. So, I'm still – Very true. Very true. All right. So, you want to re, uh, recap our teams real quick? Yep. Let's hit yep. it up. So, uh, I drafted in the one spot, and I went uh, – Chris Carson, Devontae Parker, Allen Robinson, Red Ellison, and Josh Allen. Yeah, and I got Travis Kelsey, Julio Jones, Alvin Kamara, Jimmy Graham, and Kirk Cousins. And finally, I had Nick Chubb, Mark Andrews, Tyler Boyd, Le'Veon Bell, and Jameis Winston. So this was pretty tough for all of us, it looks like. and there seems to be some injury issues with all of our teams, too. So it's going to be an interesting week. Hopefully all of our players actually play. That right. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, so now, uh, yeah, I'm going to share this to Twitter, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, hopefully you guys vote on the poll. And uh, we'll be back next week with the recap. And I hope you guys enjoyed. All right, everybody, we're going to move into our pains and gains discussion tonight. Um, so definitely not as bad as it has been the past few weeks. We definitely have some bigger names on the list this week. Um, first one we got to hit is it's looking like uh, Chase Edmonds is probably going to be doubtful this week with his hamstring injury. But I just saw earlier that DJ says himself from the horse's mouth that he is 100% ready to go this week. So plug him in your lineup. At your own risk is my comment on that one. Drake had a good performance last week, so we know there's going to be some sort of leeching of DJ's snap counts to Drake of some degree. And not to mention, the Buccaneers are slowly one of the absolute best run defenses in the NFL this year, so be careful on that one. Um, 
Looking like Brissett is feeling better this week, but couldn't get any clear practice reports on whether he actually practiced or not today. But hopefully he does because he's got a nice juicy matchup in Miami this week. So keep an eye on that one. Um, Connor still dealing with the AC joint issue. He was limited at practice this week. Early reports are saying Adam Thielen's going to be missing this week, so keep an eye on that one. Um, and those of you that were scrounging the bottom of the running back barrel, sorry, Mark Walton's been suspended for four games for substance abuse, so scrape lower. Um, let's see, Deshaun Jackson, I think what we maybe get to use him one week this entire season, maybe two. Um, <laughs> Season-ending surgery, so good luck next, better luck next year. Um, T.Y. Hilton's out again this week with the calf injury. We expected that after reports from last week. Uh, I'll send them two late pop-ups were Le'Veon Bell with a knee. Um, I think the MRI came back clean today, but didn't practice because he's pretty sore. So monitor that one heading into the game this weekend. And then a really late one was Evan Ingram popped up with a foot issue. Um, and he's going to go get a second opinion from a specialist, I think tomorrow on a Thursday. So keep an eye on, on that one could be huge boost for uh, golden Tate out there because Sterling Shepard's still yet to get back to the field, and I saw some rumors that he they might be sending him to the IR. So, no Ingram, no Shepard could be a big uh, another big weekend for Tate out there. Um, so yeah, that's that's our our big pains for the week. Anything I might have missed, Mike? Any comments? Um, not really. Um, the Ingram news uh, it was surprising, but then if you look back at you know the end of the game the other night, it seemed like they were they were holding them out. And at first I think I thought that they were just, I don't know what they were doing, you know, putting red Allison out there. And um, it just, it, that, yeah, it just kind of confirmed some things like, Oh, okay. It looks like he must just be injured. Um, and then with uh, the Mark Walton news, um, you know, that's not a, it, I just thought it was relevant that he's, it wasn't because of a new issue. This was the same uh, issue that, that he had uh, been arrested for, I think it was in the preseason or maybe even. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, It wasn't, it's not a new offense. Not that it really matters for fantasy, but um, you know, just finally caught up to him. Yeah. So that's what, that's, uh, that's one thing, I guess the part of that, that is somewhat fancy relevant is just to, you know, you got to keep an eye on situations like that where, it may not seem to affect them right away or they may seem to get away with it or for whatever reason, the player, but uh, it can come back later. And, you know, the NFL holds, uh, holds their right to, you know, enact the personal conduct policy when they deem fit. Very good point, Mike. Very good point. All right. Um, Oh, the other one, I missed it. I forgot about it. I jotted down on my notes earlier, but Cam Newton to the IR. Kind of half expected that, but right. expected it sooner than this. But uh, so yeah, official on the IR. So you guys, we got Kyle Allen the rest of the season. So just yeah. keep keep an eye on that. See how he does. Maybe plug right. him in a couple good matchups. But yeah, that one was a bummer for me. I've got Cam Newton in quite a few leagues. I scooped him up for cheap, or you know what I thought was a discount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Drafts, but. It's not seeming to pan it out. Not this year, at least. See what happens next year. Yep. Um, all right, so a couple gains for the week. Uh, so Kareem Hunt's eligible for this weekend, and uh, Kitchens says he's going to get some touches. So let's see how that backfield shakes out. 
Um, this will be not relevant for week 10 games, but for week 11, Nick Foles is getting the starting gig back in Jacksonville. So mustache, Minshew, mania, whatever they're calling it, is uh, no more uh, down there, at least for week 11. We'll see how long it lasts. But um, then this is a big news. So the Patriots dropped uh, Josh Gordon last week, beginning last week, right before the games went through, I think, or started. And he went all the way through waivers and got claimed by the Seahawks with the 28th waiver pick. Um, and they say he's going to start this weekend and three wideout sets. So keep an eye on that. Could be could be an interesting pickup for the Seahawks out there. Um, looking like Mahomes is going to be good to go for those of us that weren't without him the past two weeks. We get him back. Um, A.J. Green reports were looking good this morning and even, I think, yesterday afternoon that he was going to make his uh, season debut this weekend. But then there's been some weird reports coming out of uh, Cincinnati today with the practice reports that really aren't too clear, just kind of muddies the water a little bit. So can't really give you any insight on that one except just check the official reports when they come out later this week um, and see how that goes. Um, And then a weird one that I saw just before we started to record tonight was uh, Des Bryant trying to make a comeback. Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow on that one. I don't even know. I mean, I guess there could be a couple wide receiver uh, needy teams out there. I don't know. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's still battling the calf injury. You know, the Giants, for one, completely uh, going to be obliterated here without Evan Ingram, possibly, and Shepard out. So, know, could be possible. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. You never know. So, I wasn't, you know, when he was, when he did sign with the Saints, um, seemed like it was uh it was interesting at the very least you know like yeah what could become uh what what that situation could become but uh i guess at this point we'll just have to wait and see <laughs> yeah yeah i mean honestly what des bryant's uh body structure and evan ingham's body structure are probably pretty darn close to the same build he could maybe slide right in as a as a as a tight end-esque <laughs> fill-in for a nice big-bodied red zone threat for the giants who knows so maybe he'll get to work. work in that capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what we've got for uh, the pains and gains this week. So uh, hopefully our list will continue to shrink like it has the past two weeks and the trend continues because I know it's been one heck of a season as far as injuries and things go. So keep fingers crossed. Check the official practice reports. They come out toward the end of the week. And uh, good luck this week, everybody. My leagues this week turned out pretty well. Most, I think I won most of my leagues. Um, didn't really turn out so well in my SFL. I lost that one. Um, I lost my two dynasties that I'm rebuilding in, of course. But it's kind of an, a cool thing that I was actually really close in those. Um, I wouldn't have thought my rosters were all that great in, in these rebuilds, but they are actually been putting up a little bit of decent points the last couple weeks. So... Maybe the rebuilds aren't too far off in certain ways. You know, these young guys are starting to piece together some, some good weeks for me, so that's cool. And in the uh, the college league I told you guys I'm in, I've won my second game straight. Oddly enough, I've been starting Patrick Mahomes the, bas- the past two weeks, and I won with zero points for my quarterback. So weird, but I'll take it. Uh, better than nothing. All right, so for me this week, I... 
got back on track to a degree with my teams. Um, I was able to get a win in the SFL, back to good strength, a really good win, actually. Pretty high point total in there. Um, won most of my other leagues on the sleeper app. Uh, fortunately, lost a nail-biter in my home league, so unfortunately I'm on a two-game slide in there. But everybody's pretty bunched up in that league. Um, for that one, I was I was down... I think six, eight points maybe heading into the Monday night game. I had Barkley left. My opponent had Ingram and Darius Slayton, and I just knew Barkley would give me enough points to make up that deficit and outscore what Ingram and Slayton could do. And I was almost there. I was partially right, except for whatever reason, Gallman was put in during the two-minute drill at the end of the game. WTF New York why do you bench your best player in your final two minute drill of the game doesn't make any sense to me on that one um, and I think they pulled I don't think Ingram played a lot either uh, in the final two minutes either so I'm not sure what they were thinking on that one but uh, thanks for the loss New York anyway um, yeah so we'll see how we do this week hopefully can continue my trend with my SFL comeback in that league and can turn around my my home money league hopefully uh, with having dj back this week i'll be good to go my leagues this week turned out pretty well most i think i won most of my leagues um didn't really turn out so well in my sfl i lost that one um i lost my two dynasties that i'm rebuilding in of course but it's kind of an, a cool thing that i was actually really close in those um i wouldn't have thought my rosters were all that great in in these rebuilds but they're actually been putting up a little bit of decent points the last couple weeks so maybe the rebuilds aren't too far off in certain ways you know these young guys are starting to piece together some some good weeks for me so that's cool and in the uh the college league i told you guys i'm in i've won my second game straight oddly enough i've been starting patrick mahomes the past the past two weeks and i won with zero points for my quarterback so weird but i'll take it uh, better than nothing. All right, everybody. We're going to move into our SFL segment. And just for a quick reminder, the SFL is a sleeper football league on the sleeper app. Uh, it's a big league of 200-plus people. Um, and they uh, are in a alphabet soup of leagues of sorts. Um, and the goal is to do as good as you can to make it up to League A, which is supposed to house the best of the best. Um, so for this week's update, we got Devil on the show, and uh, he's going to let us know how everybody did this week. Good day, guys. Uh, I'm going to change it up just a little bit moving forward. In the last couple All of right. weeks up to now, I've been uh, just using uh, just the reported stats that Steeper hands out. Trying to expand it a little bit, I've actually managed to pull all of the information from all 264 teams. Ooh. So, averages, the average differences from all 132 matchups, the difference was about 25.88 points from the scores. The percentage differences was about 32% from all all matchups. And the average score from uh, all 264 members was 104.45. Yeah, it's a little interesting to look at it that way. Yeah, you can definitely. see you can see how you're doing based on uh, 
based on that number. Nice. The lowest scores of the league, the top five lower scores. <coughs> excuse me, sorry. Uh, number five, fifty-seven point five six. Ben Ooh. Pollock from League F. At fifty-six point six four, Mark Gieski from uh, the BFL League Z. Number three came in at fifty-two point seven six, Hammytown from League W. Can't see from League P scored forty-four points, oh. and the lowest score of all. Uh, all leagues was League Q, DW nine one two nine zero scored forty two point eight points. Wow, that might wow. be the lowest of the year. <laughs> I think that is the lowest I've seen, or pretty think, close to it anyway. We had, a, I think we had a pretty low one in week two, maybe when all the quarterback injuries popped up at one time. But, I uh, think even that was still uh, still in the 46. I think uh, that's the that's week that uh, Fuller went off, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, he wow. outscored the whole team. So. Keep trying, guys. Keep trying. <laughs> Keep trying. Don't give up. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully. These anyway. aren't the shout-outs you want to be in. No, no. Yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are the ones you want to avoid. Well, I don't know. Uh, one of the leagues we're in, uh, KG1 happened to Was that KG1? Yeah. Said, Once we <laughs> shouted out how bad he did that one week, he's like won every single week since then or something of that nature. So maybe it was there's that, something to it. It was that. <laughs> it's like 5-0 oh or something since then. The, the kick in the butt to get him motivated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the highest scores, this is the, lead, this is the stats that you want to be mentioned in. The top five highest scores of all leagues, Le- uh, the BFL League Y, Magnelli scored 153.88 for the fifth highest score. Nice. Uh, this gentleman by the name of Dieter oh, wait, uh, wait, from uh, League H, um, he was he was uh, the one that scored really low last week. Thanks for coming. He, he turned it around. He turned around. He had the fourth highest score at 153.98. Very good. And uh, number three, Dibdal from League A scored 157.84. Nice. At uh, the number two spot, Seashock 16 from League J scored 161.74. All right. Top marks, Rocker Muffin from League A. Second one from uh, League A for the top five scored 165.8 points. Nice, good job! Yeah, good job, League A. Representing the top five, yeah, yeah. Biggest blowout came from League P. Juan B78 scored 128.74. He went up against Cat C17, who scored 44 points. Ooh. Dif- difference of 84.74 points, which is 192.6% difference. That's a big spread. That is a monster spread. The uh, narrowest victory came out of League L. Bolt of Purple scored 98.54 points. He went up against Rusty K, who scored 97.5 points. Pretty difference close. of 1.04 points, which is 1.1%. Yeah. We've had closer, but that's definitely a close one. I think, yeah, that's the closest uh, this week anyway. But the, the closest I think we had was 0. 0.02 points, which yeah, was, there was, a real close which was insane. Week. So that's the uh, 
that's the information of the stats for week nine. Awesome. Week ten's coming up. The uh, trade deadline's coming up. So get that last push for the playoffs. Get the players you want. Good point. Good reminder. Yeah. And uh, hopefully uh, don't have to go too much farther for the end of the bye week. So life is looking better. Hallelujah. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, appreciate it like always, Devo. Thanks for being on the show. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. This has been another episode of Speaking of Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit at SOFF Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you next week.